Hey, welcome to the sermon series from Life Church Green Bay. It's our mission to bring the life-giving message of Jesus to the 920 and beyond. We're so glad you're here. If this is your first time joining us, we want to do life with you. While you're listening, fill out our hello card on our website so we can connect with you. Visit lifechurchgreenbay.com forward slash hello to fill it out. Make sure to check the I'm new here and online options while filling out the card. Again, we're so glad you're with us today. Here's this week's message. All right, open your Bibles to Proverbs chapter 16. Proverbs chapter 16. If you don't have a traditional Bible and you want one, we want you to have one. So you can go to the Welcome Center after this and they will give you one absolutely free. It is our gift to you. In the meantime, I really want you to use your YouVersion app, or it's also called the Bible app, and uh, we've already uploaded all the notes in the scriptures, and if you don't have the app, then you can scan this code, and it'll take you there. Download it, not just for this message, but for all sorts of different life purposes. I just finished doing a Bible plan with five different pastoral friends of mine, and it was so amazing. You get to interact with each other. Everybody kind of takes little notes on what they thought about that particular devotional, and so the things that I learned like aside from even just the Bible plan, I think I actually learned more from the comments that the people that I was doing the plan with than I actually learned from the plan. So if you don't have it, please download that. Uh, Just like Pastor Dallas, I really love that bumper, but unlike him, I didn't watch any of those shows growing up. But like him, I actually never had a family meeting growing up. Uh, Maybe I thought that it would have been fun, but I have had a lot since I've become a father. And honestly, I don't think that anybody in my family ever got excited about them. Because when I did finally call a family meeting, I had had it. That was it. I, like, I relate to some of those comments of the, all right, everybody in the living room now. Like, it was like, you sit, sit your, I'm, I'm getting sick of blank or I'm done with blank. Y'all better start doing this or stop Doing that, <laughs> the family meeting was always such, such a negative. Everybody was getting sat down and cussed out because somebody did something or they didn't do something. And, and since I hadn't had the care or the courage to deal with things in the moment, I let them bubble up until they boiled over and I decided to finally exercise my authority. Authority, I want to talk to you about that today in a message that we're calling by the authority vested in me. Let's pray. God, we love you. Thank you for this day. Thank you for the authority that some people already took in this place, God. The God, as Pastor Sonny said, the, the atmosphere, the spirit that's in this place, it's, it's different. There's something shifting. There's something There's something moving, God. There's an authority that's coming from this stage, from the team, but there's also an authority that's coming from this crowd, from the people, people who are taking authority over their hurt, their shame. God, to even hear a story about a woman who who would whisper, I'm blessed in such a battle. God, that's authority. And so this morning, I pray that for each and every ear that's in this place, that it would be opened. For each and every heart that's in this place, that it would be softened. For each and every life that's in this place, that it would be changed, that we would leave this place less like us and more like you in Jesus' name. Amen. Authority. I think it's become misconstrued, misunderstood. There's a difference between authority and anger. 
You can act in authority without anger, but it's hard to act in anger and still maintain your authority. Because authority is a posture. It is not a position. You can be in charge without having authority, but you can also have authority without being in charge. I think that's evidenced in the definition of the word. Authority is the power or the right to give orders and make decisions. The power hmm, or the right. Each of those elicit a response. They, they both create a different dynamic. Uh, in the world, there are positional leaders and there are permissional leaders. Now, now, permissional is not a real word, but it is a real dynamic. Positional leaders are followed or obeyed because they've been given a title by someone above them. Permissional leaders are followed or obeyed because they've been given buy-in by everyone around them. Uh, to the people they're responsible to lead, a positional leader says, because I said so, that's why. Uh, a permissional leader, though, uh, they, they have the people that they're responsible to lead say, because you said so. That's why. Positional leaders lead through mandate while permissional leaders lead through motivation. Uh, because a positional leader is trying to get people to do something for his good. While a permissional leader is trying to get people to do something for their good. And, and when people recognize that you're asking them to do things for their own good, that's when you'll start living in and leading out of authority. We are all called to leadership in here today. Uh, we all have someone who's watching us. We all have someone who's, who's copying us. You may not know that people are watching you. You may not know that people are copying you. Uh, my son is a leader in our family because we copy almost all of his sayings. <laughs> he comes up with these little, with these little quirky one-liners. And, uh, and before you know it, it becomes, it becomes the language of our household. I don't know when he invented it, but one of the greetings in our household is, how? <laughs> and so when I call him, he picks up the phone. He doesn't say, hello. He doesn't say, hi. He doesn't say, oh, hi, daddy. He doesn't say, oh, hi, father, who I so highly respect. He picks up and he either, he either says, uh, let, uh, let me just bypass the one that he says. And then secondly, so he'll, he'll just go, how? And I just know, I just know this. Okay, clearly this is a good opportunity for us to talk. We are all leading someone. We are, we are all having people pattern themselves after us. And so I want to help you step into the authority that God has given us all in this place, that he's given us all access to by showing you four ways uh, to gain authority. Here's the first. Uh, you, you will gain authority if you live your life with integrity. Now, now, this is a drum that I beat. This is a thing that if you spend time around me, you're going to hear me talk about author, uh, integrity. I, was, I did chapel last night, and one of the words that I talked about was integrity. Uh, character and integrity are cousins. They are, they are hand in hand. Uh, Character is what you do when no one's looking. There is, a, there is a short supply in character in our culture. There is, there is a short supply 
in integrity among our leaders. If you don't believe that, watch the news. People who say one thing but do another. People who, who present themselves one way but then, but then they behave in another way. People, people who, who luckily are accountable either every two years or four years. There are some countries, one of which I was born in. There, there is no, it's like forever. Like, like if you make a bad decision, if you go to the box and you make a bad decision, you should have read the paper before you did. I'm just saying that there's a lack there is a lack of integrity. There's this gate and that gate and this scandal and that scandal. And then that becomes infectious because we, we tend to pattern ourselves after the people that we put in positions of authority. We, we, tend, to, we tend to allow ourselves to live at the lowest common denominator. Just because somebody is in a position where they have been given a title doesn't mean that that person is living in authority. Sometimes they are abusing the authority that they've been given. And so for me, I wanna live my life in a, like real authority, not positional authority, permissional authority. I, I stood there this morning as Pastor Shelby led and, and I, just, I just, I'm a bit of a crier during worship anyway. But today, I don't know what it was today. It was just like, uh, maybe because I love home games. I love home games, not because not of anything other than because I get to be here. Right? Like I, I, was in, I was in Pittsburgh last week. It was amazing. I loved it. It was great. I'll talk a little bit about that here in a minute. But it was just different. Like I watched Pastor Dallas online and uh, I was actually on the bus from the hotel to, I don't know what they call it now, but you know, normal people call it Heinz Field. Like, so I was on the way and I was like watching it. And what was interesting is I could see there were guys looking up and having headphones in, right? And I would laugh. You ever be watching something and you laugh or you, and then people are like, bro, like stop. This is, interestingly, I said to Bo backstage that uh, when Pastor Johnny talked about, this is, I'm not on a sidetrack right now, but. Uh, <laughs> I said to Bo and Pastor Sonny said something about if you have kids in here and your kids uh, get to the place. I mean, I definitely give that little spiel differently than she gives it. I'm like, hey, get your kids out. We don't shut, stop. We don't nobody. Don't nobody want to hear your. So I give it. I'm just saying I give it different. Yesterday, I was on a plane on the red eye coming here uh, a couple of days ago. And and I had I had I had the fortune. of sitting across the aisle from some people who must not have any friends because <laughs> they brought everybody with them. They had a, they had a bait, like a bait, like a, not like a, not like a, not like a cabin, like a, like a baby old enough to, to a kid, they had a kid, like a child old enough to know who didn't know, who just, who just, I didn't mess, he must've been allergic to air because he cried, he cried on the way, he was in the concourse crying, he was on the jetway crying, he cried the whole 
I'm talking about the whole, it's a rat. He cried the whole flight. So they had a child, which is fine because you got to get your kids there. But they also had a beagle with them. I said, take me back. I turned the plane around because if you've ever been around a beagle, they don't even know how to be quiet. Like, and every time the baby cried, the beagle loved the baby. And so the baby went, ah, and the beagle went, ah, So I love home games because I get to be here. And I just stood in the front and it just, the authority that is coming from these people who got here at five o'clock this morning to, to come and lead you to a place that some of you didn't even know that you needed to go, that's, that's authority. That's, you lead that. You lead that with integrity. So that integrity is like one of the, the drums that God has been beating in my life because the root word for integrity is integer, which is a math term, which means whole number. So integrity is being a whole person. Proverbs 11 says, the integrity of the upright guides them, but the unfaithful, watch this, are destroyed by their duplicity. Duplicity is deceitfulness or or double dealing. Some of you have lived your life in the past with deceitfulness, with, with double dealing. The book of James says a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. So if you want to gain authority, you have got to live your life with integrity, pointed toward the cross in every situation, in every scenario, in every area of your life, with, with your finances, with your faith, with your, with your faith, like with the, with the way that you function at work. Integrity, integrity works eight hours, not seven and a half, not locking up, not putting stuff, getting stuff organized. It's store closed at seven, six o'clock. Hey, player, it's 6.55. I got to pick something up. Oh, man, my bad. I already put all the money away. Till. Hold on one second. This door says hours, 9 o'clock, 7 o'clock. Last time I checked, 6.55 happens, not after, it happens before seven o'clock. So people of integrity, oh, come on answer, absolutely. We got everything at 655, you know, all the time in the world. Matter of fact, just, just, just come in, just take your time. We got plenty of time. But see, that's the difference between a worker mentality and an owner mentality. God didn't call us to work the earth. He called us to take dominion over it. He called us to own the situations that we're in. And you will not own the situation that you're in as long as you are a half person and not a 
whole person. If you want to gain authority, authority in your life, live your life with integrity. Here's the second way is live your life with accountability. Accountability has been taken a hit in our culture. It's, it's taken on such a, such a negative connotation in our freedom-based culture. Uh, like, like Big Brother's watching us. We look at accountability like this, like ain't nobody gonna tell me what to, what to do or what I can't do. Nobody's gonna tell me what I can say or what I, nobody's gonna tell me where I can go or where I, I'm, I'm a grown man. But that's not accountability. Like accountability isn't telling you what you can and can't do, where you can and can't go, what you can and can't say. That's not accountability. That's suppression. Accountability doesn't prohibit freedom. It promotes it. Accountability lets you live your life clean, lets you live your life without fear of consequences. Accountability isn't an overreach. It's an oversight. It, 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 accountability just means making an account for your ability. Who do you have making an account for your ability? It's, accountability is submitting your life to someone, not, not just for your correction, but for your protection. Like Pastor Sonny has the password to all my stuff. She, ha she has the password to my phone, to my iPad, to my computer, to my email, to all my social accounts. And if a person of the opposite sex texts me, emails me, or DMs me, I screenshot it and I send it to her. Not because I don't trust myself and not even because I don't trust them. It's because I don't trust the devil. I don't trust what his agenda is when he, ha he might not have no agenda but he might have all the agenda in the world. He might, he, might, he might be prompting somebody to send me a text, hoping that that will give me butterflies in my stomach. I don't trust the devil, so I submit myself to my wife, not just for correction, but for my own protection. Because I wanna be a Psalm 24 guy who descends the mountain of the Lord and stands in his holy place, watch this, by living with clean hands and a pure heart. See, they didn't make that up on Friday Night Lights. They made that up in the, in the scripture and then they stole that and didn't give it any credit. Because listen, the stakes are too high and the consequences are too deep not to live a life of accountability. It's why the book of James says, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that, watch this, you may be healed. And the word healed here means whole. You see how those two things, how that correlates with integrity? Proverbs tells us to surround ourselves with people who make us better. It says, as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. Who do you have sharpening you, making you better, making an account for your ability. I have a group of guys in my life who will call me on stuff. It's why the board of our church is filled with pastors. Pastor Barry, Dr. Alan Griffin, Dr. Rich Wilkerson, Dr. Dave Crosby, Dr. Scott Hagen. Like, no, listen, these aren't doctors that can help you on a plane. 
But if you need to know like what the Greek is, these are your guys. That's all I'm saying. So we have guys that like, uh, we have uh, Pastor Rob Ketterling who was here a couple of weeks ago. He's on our board. The, these are guys who not only understand the burdens of ministry, but also the warning signs. So they're proactive. They don't just check up on me. They check in with me. Like a few years ago, Pastor Barry suggested I start praying the prayer of Jabez over my life every single day. And so I did. And it's been a game changer. That's what caused us to make the, tr the shift from 10% to progressively. And it didn't just go from 10 to 20%. Like it progressively changed over time to where we just felt like God wanted us to give more. And the prayer of Jabez says, God, that you would bless me indeed and increase my territory, that your hand would be with me. And listen to the final line. It says that you would keep me from sin so I don't cause any pain. And a few months ago, I felt like God said to others, to yourself, I mean, you do know that sin has, has consequences, right? You do know that sin has side effects. Picture it like a commercial for a new medication. Try adultery from the makers of pornography. Users of adultery experience increased heart rate, surges in adrenaline, and butterflies in their stomachs. Some users of adultery actually have experienced temporary feelings of youthfulness. Common side effects include guilt, shame, embarrassment, loss of reputation, loss of trust, divorce, a generational curse, your kids may never speak to you again, breaking up another family, and in some cases, being murdered by the side piece husband. <laughs> I'm just saying, listen, Jack, sin, sin has side effects. So I say, God, keep me from sin so I don't cause pain to others, to myself, and to God. Like, did you know that it hurts God when you sin? If you want to gain authority, live your life with accountability. Here's the third way. Live your life with vulnerability. I love that Pastor Dallas touched on this last week. When I was a, a young pastor, I used to consider it a badge of honor when people would look at me and they would say, you're so real or, or you're so relevant. That was like a trend in the early thousands that people wanted to be real. They, 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 wanted, to be, they wanted to be relevant. But honestly, well, what I ended up seeing was a lot of guys who took that and used it as an excuse to live as much like the world as possible. But I want to be in the world, but not of the world. So I started to ask myself, do I wanna be relevant or do I wanna be respectable? And as I've gotten older, I've discovered that respectability comes through vulnerability, admitting that I don't have everything figured out. Like, like, like I still have things that I struggle with, y'all. Now, they're not the same things that I struggled with 10 years ago. They're not the same things that I struggled with 10 months ago. But there are still things that I struggle with. And so, like, I, like for example, I asked Pastor Barry to keep me accountable about my weight because then full vulnerability is something I'm insecure about. Imagine if you had to stand in front of a group of people who were all seeing every bump, bruise, nook, and cranny. It's a source of insecurity for me. But left unto myself, I would be the fattest guy in the room. I would be morbidly <laughs> obese. 
I wouldn't be able to take the stairs. I, you, would, you would cut me out of my house with a chainsaw and you would have a, a crane that would struggle to get my big self out of my house. Because even though I have an insecurity, I have an addiction. I have an addiction to food. And if I hide that, what other struggles am I going to be willing to hide? So I get authority over that addiction and temptation through vulnerability. What are you hiding that you could gain authority over by living your life with vulnerability? Here's the fourth way to gain authority is live your life with positivity. The book of Philippians tells us to fix our thoughts on what's true, honorable, and right. On what's pure, lovely, and admirable. It tells us to think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. First Thessalonians tells us to encourage each other, to, to build one another up. And so I've been working hard at being an encourager because it's not natural for me. I didn't, I didn't grow up in an encouraging environment, the, 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 the dudes that I ran with. It wasn't their proclivity to compliment. I mean, the minute they saw you, it was like they had a, a meeting before you got there and all talked about, hey, hey, let's find, let's all find like one different thing that we can make him feel small about and stupid about and insecure about. And the minute he walks up, right after the high five, let's say something ugly to him. And it was like, it wasn't just me. It was just like, that was just like the, that was the vibe of it, man. We just was, we was killing each other, cutting each other down. We, we used to call it capping on each other. Y'all don't know nothing about that. We said, hey man, no cap. Just like, and with, if you was feeling real bad about yourself, this is a little known fact. In the hood, you could get a pass. And here's how. You just walk up and they only did this if you was on the brink of a fight. You feel me? Like you couldn't do it because you're sensitive. But if you had something going on and you was about to click, like clip on somebody, you'd walk up in the crowd and say, hey, player, no cap. No cap. And the people, all right, bro, I'm <laughs> bad, hey, all right. But other than that, you is open game. People would cap on you the minute. Some of you are like, I've never even heard that term before. You're going to use it now, though, aren't you? You say, well, I'm going to cap on somebody all afternoon. That was me. All of, I just want to cap on people all the time. Why? Because if I made them feel small, that made me feel big. By nature, I am sarcastic. I am snarky because I think it's funny. <laughs> Unless, of course, it's at my expense, and then I think it's rude. And I think it's mean. I think it's unnecessary. I think it's insensitive, actually. I think you need to watch yourself. And I think that the Bible says we're supposed to encourage each other and build each other up. And I will quote scripture on you so quick, but say something dumb and I will cap on you right back to it. Just... So I've been trying to uninstall those things from my tendencies and replace them with compliments. And here's what's interesting. I think giving someone a compliment makes me feel better than it makes them feel. And so I've been trying to be a complimenter and I've been trying to be a connector. I felt like the Lord challenged me to do that earlier this year. And so uh, this past week, uh, we were in Pittsburgh and, and I was standing and I was talking to a guy who, who's a, he's a consultant for the team. 
And I really like this guy. We built a good rapport. We built a good relationship. He, he wrote an incredible book that I, I'm going to buy for a bunch of people for Christmas. And, and him and I are just, just kind of standing there. We're rapping. And, and, uh, and it's the chaplain from the Steelers, cool guy, man. His name's Kent. I'd love to have him come preach here someday. Kent comes walking up. And, and like me and this other guy, we're in the middle, like the meat of a conversation. And, and so, so when Kent walked up, it was this other guy's natural reaction to walk away. And I, in my mind, I felt like this, is, this could cause something in that guy that made him feel like I was devaluing him because somebody that I viewed as perhaps more important walked up. And so when, when Kent walked up and old boy started to walk away, I said, hold up. And I grabbed him by the arm and I pulled him back and I said, I said, uh, I don't want to tell you the guy's name because I'm not trying to promote anybody other than Kent. I said, you already told me Kent's name. So anyway, I said, I, I said, Steve, this is my friend Kent. Kent, this is my friend Steve. Steve, Kent is the chaplain of the Pittsburgh Steelers. And in my opinion, he may be the best chaplain in the NFL. He is changing the culture of this locker room. He's changing the culture of this team. And I began to just list some of the things that Kent is doing that are kind of groundbreaking in the chaplain world. He is full-time with the Steelers in the building and his wife is full-time. She ministers to the wives. So then I said, Kent, this is Steve. Steve is a consultant with us. And in my opinion, he is the greatest high school football coach in the history of the state of Wisconsin. No one has ever coached like this. I said, actually, I think you guys would be really good friends. I walked away. I didn't really want to talk to either one of them. Anymore. No, I'm just playing. I, <laughs> but I was like, I really felt like these two dudes need to know each other and they would never have met. And I felt like maybe God made this opportunity, but the devil tried to make it an opportunity where somebody felt devalued, but instead I was able to be a connector because I wanted to live my life with, with positivity. And, and, and so in the, in the marketing world, they call that third party promotion where when you have two people that you know and you want to connect them, what you want to do is you want to say everything good that you know about that person to that person and then everything you know about that person to that person so that nobody has to have the awkward, oh, this guy's insignificant. No, you're both significant. You know why you're both significant? Because you are a child of God. It doesn't matter if you work here or you work there or you went to school here or you went to school there or you make this much money or you make that much money or you give this much money away or you keep this much money for yourself. You are significant because you are a child of God. And so I wanted to connect two significant people with each other. And so I did that through third-party promotion. And I'm not lying or even exaggerating. I'm just saying what I think but may even be too embarrassed to say to someone's face. But what I've noticed is, is as I say positive things about people to people, their posture changes. The more, the more positivity I speak over someone, the more they grow. And the, I, I'm, like a, I'm like a verbal chiropractor. I don't even send them a bill. And their, their posture changes. I wonder... Do you have anybody in your life you wish would live more upright? Come on, come on. 
What if rather than always pointing out their deficiencies, you started pointing out the positive things you see in them? Everybody has something positive that you can point out. And as you start doing that, watch their posture change. As a matter of fact, I challenge you to try that this week. This week, find three people and speak life over them. Point out the positivities that you see because Proverbs tells us kind words are like honey. They are sweet to the soul and they are healthy for the body. And by doing that, you'll be extending the love that you were meant to release. Now, can I tell you, compliments make some people feel uncomfortable. That's okay. Push through. Some of you have been making people feel uncomfortable with your negativity for years. Just try the opposite. It'll help you gain equity and authority. It'll help you move from position a leader to permission a leader. Now I get it. I, I know that some of this stuff is tough. I know that some of this stuff is all up in your face. It's just us. It's just a family meeting. I'm just showing the care and the courage to deal with a few things in the moment before they bubble up and boil over. So by the authority vested in me by the state of Wisconsin and almighty God, he says, well, we didn't even know we were going to get married. <laughs> by the authority vested in me, I tell you to live your life with integrity. I tell you to live your life with accountability, with vulnerability and positivity. We do that today. I hope you will. Because if you will, you'll live your life with authority. We pray with me. You know, before you can live your life with authority, you have to live your life under authority. That's the concept of salvation. The whole idea of salvation is living your life underneath God's authority. Recognizing that you've tried to do this all by yourself and it hasn't worked. And so because it hasn't worked, we will then submit ourselves to something greater than us, something bigger than us, something higher than us. And maybe you're here today and you say, Sean, I, I haven't done that. I haven't submitted myself to God's authority, but, but you want to. You've been trying to figure out a way. Well, this, as Pastor Dallas said last week, this is the way. And so this morning, we're gonna give you the opportunity to do that to submit yourself to God's authority, to receive Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior. And in scripture, it tells us that that requires two things, confession and profession. Confessing that you've got sin in your life and professing that you believe that Jesus can change that. And so we're gonna give you the opportunity to do that in two ways. In just a moment, I'm gonna ask people to do two things. First is in just a moment with nobody looking around, I'm gonna ask for people who have not submitted themselves to God's authority to raise their hand and make eye contact with me. Once you've done that, you could put your hand down. That's your act of confession. Secondly, I'm gonna ask for people in this place who haven't submitted themselves to God's authority to, to repeat a prayer after me along with everyone else in this place. And if you repeat it and you mean it in your heart, the Bible says you will be saved. So if you're here today and you say, Sean, I have not submitted myself to God's authority, but I want to before I leave this place. With nobody looking around, would you raise your hand and make eye contact with me? Thanks, 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 thanks. 
I'm going to ask everybody in here to say these words after me. Say, Jesus, I've got sin in my life. Please forgive me. Come into my life. Change me. Make me different. Make me new. Be my savior. I submit myself to your authority in Jesus' name. Amen. Secondly, and maybe you're here and you're a believer, you're, you're headed to heaven before that prayer. Uh, but you would say, Sean, I haven't been living inside of my authority. And you want to take authority over your relationships, over your kids, over your finances, over your future, over your home, over the holiday season. You'd say, Sean, I haven't been living in the authority that has been promised to me, but I want to, if that's you, I want to pray for you. Just pop your hand up real quick. Yes, 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 yes. God, we love you and we thank you. Thank you that you have given us authority. I pray that we would exercise it, that we would live in it. I pray that my friends in this place would live in that blessing. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining us this week. Still thinking about the message? Go follow our message recap podcast, Chew On That. The Chew On That podcast is a podcast where Life Church staff chew over the latest messages to dig deeper into our faith. Tap the link in the episode description to have a listen. Hey, thanks for listening to this episode. We'll see you next week. Thank you.